You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. David, thanks very much. There was just one last question I ask everybody, and it's, uh, it is, um, if you close your eyes and take three deep breaths, think of your happy place, where would that be and why? Ooh. It's probably looking out on Dorky Island on the last day of the Dorky Book Festival, having had no disasters, everyone enjoying themselves, and looking out of the bay, looking back towards Hof, across the bay, looking back towards the city, looking out towards Wicklow and thinking, you know, we don't live in a bad place. You just heard the voice there of David McWilliams telling us about his happy place, and you're very welcome to the last and always my favourite episode of every season, the Happy Place Special. You can get all the episodes from Season 1 and Season 2 available on all podcasting platforms or check out traveltaleswithfergal.ie for articles and the podcast. And now we have the best-selling author, Louise Nealon, who originally forgot to ask the Happy Place question. The last time I was talking to you, um, the book hadn't come out. So not only has it come out now, but it is number one in the charts. So that must be surreal. Yeah, it's mad. Very surreal. Uh, I just feel so incredibly lucky. I feel so lucky the amount of support that I have. Like, like I say, like it's a complete team around the book as well. So I'm delighted for the other people working on it as well like my job finished when like I wrote I wrote the book really uh, and I know that like I, I need to like promote it now or whatever but I'm kind of enjoying that side of things um but there's people behind the scenes working really hard to to get it out there and I'm just so grateful like to them now you're getting loads of people who are reacting to it to, so to get yeah. that yeah that's the best bit really um that like people I know uh, now know my characters and they know where I've been disappearing off to for the past 10 years, you know? Um, And because I'd be quite quiet uh, normally in, in real life interactions, um, it's a chance to connect to people in a completely different way. And it's not like it's taken me out of the picture as well. Like, I'm able to have complete conversations just about Billy and Debbie and Maeve. And I think the most interesting conversations I have is where I'm completely removed from it. Um, some of the interviews that I'm doing, they're like, how much of it is real life? And I was like, if it, if it was real life, it would be really boring. <laughs> yeah. And it's the, it's the actual fictional world that I'm interested in. Of course, it's informed by my by my own life, but that imaginative space is just so great to share with other people and the reader finishes it off for you as well like they bring their own imagination to it as well and I'm just so really thrilled and like my feet haven't really quite touched the ground yet. Louise I forgot to ask you this question so it's very important because every you know I can't do my special without everybody having this so if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths where is your happy place and why? Um, I don't think it'll come as a surprise to you anyways. Uh, it's the small beach on Inishir, on my own. 
to stress that. Um, because the small beach is, uh, it's very close to the house in, in Ashira. It's next to the airstrip. And, uh, and we go down there, like we, we, we kind of use it as our own personal beach. <laughs> There's other people there. <laughs> but um, it's a small cove and it's like grey white sand and like grey rocks and flat rocks that you can lie down on. And the water is just like the clearest blue water. And you can see the boats going over and back, bringing the day um, travellers um, over and back. And then the planes actually come and nearly fly over your head like they do. Um, and I, lo- I have memories of us as kids, um, like kayaking there or just like swimming and, and horse playing around. But probably one of the fondest memories I have of it is I, I snuck off um, for a swim in the evening when everyone was doing a quiz. And everyone thinks they make the same mistake all the time. They think that I'm good at general knowledge. Um, so uh, they're always very disappointed. So, and I have no interest in the quiz whatsoever. My uncle John organizes it. And there's always like a book around to try to get me involved. Um, and uh, I, sn- I snuck off anyways and went down to the small beach and had a swim and just lay down on the rock. And I could hear them because they're a very loud family. Uh, <laughs> I could hear them rowing upstairs. Uh, and it was like, it was one of those moments where I felt like really connected and like part of the family, but also... I had my own space as well, you know, sort of, sort of like a, a lot of my family would be extroverts and they need, like they need each other. Whereas like I, I get energy from being on my own. Um, and, and then I went up and uh, they gave, they gave out to me for not, um, for not being around for, for the books um, uh, segment of the quiz. Uh, but that's probably my most peaceful place. When I sit down, I got into meditation recently. When I sit down and, and think of a um, uh, happy place, uh, wow. it's uh, it's the small beach in Inishir. That's gorgeous. I I, um, I can relate to that because I go for a walk every day down by the river yeah. and I always go, you know, to my kids, do you want to come for a walk? <laughs> and I'm like, fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> Oh, so you need other people. <laughs> well, I just, you know what I mean? It's like so much yeah. nicer when you're on your own. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. <laughs> but I feel guilty as well, you know. Absolutely. The guilt is there. Um, not so much anymore. But even when I went on holidays with my friends, they couldn't really understand why I needed so, so much alone time. They kind of felt sorry for me. With listening to the podcast and everyone was like... Um, do you know when you're talking about that beach? What it re, what you you just reminded me that so I know the like it's down the left hand side, say from the sea, you know, yeah. and there's there's rocks there. Yeah, and you just brought trauma back to me because oh I, no, I spent Sorry. no no I'm I'm joking, but I spent so I spent two Junes in Inishir. Yeah, and I my memory of those two Junes was those rocks. There was like two rocks that were just a little bit apart. With, yeah, I know them. So yeah. I spent two Junes standing on one, trying to psych myself up to jump over to the other one. Where? And I never did. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's still there. 
and I'm still going through the trauma now because when my kids are about to jump something, they always do it. I just didn't do that jump, you know. But I used to love it's it. Pretty, it's not. It's not. Um, it's a bit a pretty big jump, like exactly. I was hoping yeah. you'd say that because I was. Oh yeah. I was trying to. Hit, you know. I've never done it. Because <laughs> I was waiting to go. Yeah, I used to step across there. Yeah. Yeah. So are you writing at the moment? Well, um, I'm doing different bits, like I'm writing articles and stuff, but I'm trying to work on the second one. It's like being like the early weeks of pregnancy, you know, <laughs> when you're, you don't really want to tell anyone. About I know, it. I know. I was afraid to ask you. Viable pregnancy, viable book. I'm trying to do bits, bits mm-hmm. and pieces, but like not putting too much. Yeah. It's not like, it's not a nine to five job at all. Like mm-hmm. if I write for an hour a day, I'm happy. It helps. Um, it's a lot of what I do around it as well. Um, that yeah. that works for me. It's quite a it's quite um a selfish endeavor. Like I understand why kids people who have kids uh, find it difficult to find time to write. Um, for me, anyways. Um, but I can't really imagine myself doing anything else. To be honest, I just feel so incredibly lucky that I'm I'm able to you know. Keep at it and make a living from it. Like, amazing. Next up, we have Rory O'Neill, a.k.a. Panty Bliss. And he gave, I would say, is the most poignant answer considering the year that we've had with the lockdown and the pandemic. Well, it's, it's a place, but it's not on a geolocation. It's on a dance floor. I've missed that in the last year so much, even though I'm kind of too old for it now, but... All of my, you know, creative, fun, energetic, loving life experiences have been on or close to a dance floor. And there's a, something special about being on, on a dance floor in the right mood. People's inhibitions are down. Um, there's a camaraderie. People don't care whether you're gay, straight, black, white, upside down, or right way around. You know, there's just a, a thing about that. And, um, and I always say, you know, when I die, when I die, just cremate me and then sprinkle my ashes on a good dance floor somewhere. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not sure which one it is. A dance floor is a it's a psychological space rather than a geographical location. I actually put up some photos on my Instagram last night of um, some gigs, some music gigs. And it just seems like an alien world now. Like, well, to me, that's one of the big things in the pandemic that got lost is this sort of the concept of, uh, you know, communal joy. We haven't experienced that in a year. To me, that is like one of the, you know, really basic human needs that comes not short, you know, not long after breathing, eating, you know, and, you know, water. Um, cause every culture, every country, every part of the world in every time period, we have found ways to have communal joy, music and gigs and even cinema and weddings and parties and all of those things. And in the last year, that has been taken from us. And I don't think that's a small thing. I think that's a really big thing that maybe we never appreciated until it was taken from us. Exactly. And that brings us back to the very start of our conversation about hospitality and bars and nightclubs and all those things being appreciated because what they give to society, you know, because the line I keep telling everybody is um, that, uh, you know, it's going to be the roaring 20s. Like that when we go back, can you imagine what it's going to be like? No longer. I will hope that, so. you know? 
And I hope they're roaring in Panty Bar or whatever. You know, I really hope will. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, you know, nobody, if you ask a 90-year-old for their, you know, fun memories, none of those memories are sitting alone at a Zoom screen. You know, that is not what we're going to miss, you know, when we're on our deathbeds. What we're going to miss is hanging out with your mates, you know, dancing, you know, together, um, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I don't think it's a small thing we've lost. I think it's a very big thing we've lost, and people have been slow to recognize that. Next up, we have that great adventurer, Monk Holm again, who's been all over the world. And something I've noticed again because of lockdown is that people really appreciate their home where they live now, even people who've travelled all over the world like Moncon. Hmm. I mean, had you asked me that question a decade ago, it probably would have been this Vilcabamba, that valley of longevity in Ecuador that I always return to go to, to that I always yearn to return to. But nowadays, it is this piece of land that I have here in the Midlands, in Westmead, these 10 acres that, whatever, 20 years ago, I planted maybe about nine or 12,000 oak trees, and they've grown into sort of a pretty dense forest. And then all around me, I have my vegetables, I have my hens, I have my turkeys, I have my bees. I have the lake that I swim in every single day in winter, Loch Lane, just two fields away from me. And this is paradise. This is the reason that I'm okay never flying again. I'm happy here. We had the world-famous ski instructor Warren Smith on our ski special episode and here he tells us about his happy place. I mean, my happy place has got to be the top of Mont Four in Beauvier. You know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great area to decide where you're going to go, what you're going to do off-piece, put some skins in your backpack. But you're, I've had my, some of my best memories in my skiing career has been going off the back of Mont Four, uh, choosing an area of all the different bowls and cores you can sort of hike or walk to uh and just getting to ski some great steep awesome powder um up at a great altitude um quite gnarly in places and it's it's where i've had a lot of my spills and all the other sort of things that go with it but great memories and and you know to, to see a view that you get at the top of mont four you're looking at Zermatt matterhorn you turn around you've got the mont blanc in one direction and you really get the, the whole picture of the alps right on your right on your doorstep it's a very happy place for me Next up, we have American Dan Gilmore, who is on our US election special. You're the only person in season one that we didn't ask this question to. And I ask it to everybody. It is if you take four deep breaths and think of your happy place anywhere in the world, where would that be and why? So it's a no brainer for me. And it sounds like I'm trying to you know, kiss butt to the, to the, um, to the listeners. But Ireland, um, it's always, you know, I'm, I am Irish. I'm third, third generation um, but my ability to be able to, to be there regularly, um, formerly, you know, my old job, I was there and, you know, just to see the development of Ireland, um, you know, the, the, the small pubs turn into great restaurants. I'm an avid golfer, as Sean will tell you. So to be able to golf the, the likes of a La Hinch and an Old Head and, and an Old Pulmonic and the Island, I mean, it just, it's got everything you want. The people are incredibly friendly. Um, you know, the landscape is beautiful. Uh, I don't know why anybody would ever pass up an opportunity if they had it to, to be in Ireland. And I can't wait for the day that this vaccine comes to everybody. And, and you know, obviously the, the pandemic is behind us and, and I can travel again because that's the first place that I'll be. Renowned chef Randy Lewis from Randy's in La Hinch has been all over the world chefing. And here he talks about his happy place. I think surfing the beaches of Brazil, surfing the beaches of Brazil in a place called Chicken Town, um, getting off the beach with the vendors, 
uh, walking down, giving me a coconut and cooking grilled halloumi cheese on their, their walk along barbecue um, that they would have in their hand and, and just sitting there and getting uh, margaritas and drinks delivered to me because there was a, 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 a mini bar on, on the, on, on like every 500 meters or four, there was somebody's unique own personal mini bar. Um, that was an amazing place that I can think of that really brings back memories I mean, I have a lot of memories around Asia and stuff that I could bring bring in. But I think that's always been a place where I'd say, you know what, if I ever go, you know, somewhere again that I could, I've always wanted to go. And and a place that I, I'd only say I didn't spend enough time in was that beach right there where I said I would love to go and just sit on that beach for two weeks. Now we have Irish expat living in Switzerland, Annie Kennedy. It's a really good question, and it changes all the time. <laughs> even even thinking about the answer to this, I have so many different answers. But I I think if it's winter, it would always be up a mountain, up a snowy mountain somewhere, and it would be skiing, probably skiing backcountry. Um, so I would say Verbier is probably my favorite place for for that. You know, it's mm-hmm. just pure happiness when you when you discover a patch of virgin snow that no one else has skied. And yeah, there's there's nobody around, and you're the first person to ski down that. Um, in summer, it's also going to be a mountain, and it's at the moment it will definitely be a mountain in Switzerland, and it's probably Mount Riggi, which is which is a mountain near where we live. And you get to the top of that, and you just look out over about four different four lakes, and you're looking out over about you know five counties, and it's just on a on a clear day, it's exquisite, and it's it's kind of my happy place. So, yeah. I've seen some great photos of yours from your walks up the mountains and it's spectacular because people think of um, the Alps for, you know, skiing, but in summertime, it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. We had a great chat with the Lions rugby legend, Paul Wallace, in his episode. We talked all about the uh, upcoming Lions tour. Yeah. um, Bali, possibly a place called Uluwatu. A uh, little beach there where you can just get a plastic table, fresh fish, bintang beer, and your feet are in the water, lapping, lapping up while you have your dinner. That that's uh, yeah, I, I, Bali. We I've been there well, three three different times, uh, and uh, albeit it's got a bit built up, uh, there's still some nice parts. Unawatu, uh, one one area in particular, uh, that's still um, you know. So got that bit of Bali magic on it. Um, and maybe the other one is uh, down to Zambezi as well. A, a former Saracen teammate of mine, Gavin Johnson, who played for the Springboks. Uh, Gavin has got a, a place down there really in the most remote location I've ever been to in Africa. And he's got a lodge there and that. that, that I guess the tranquility of both of those places. A, a long way away at the moment. Yeah, and that a lodge like on the river, is it? Yeah, just across from Chobe National Park. So we, we actually had a, a wonder, it was uh, after the 98 tour. Uh, my, when my brothers were there in South Africa as well, we flew up after the, the second test and with Malcolm O'Kelly and uh, another Saracens teammate, Andy Lee, and we went to Dinfic Falls, white water rafting. Then Gav came, collected us, sat on the back of a... Big Bucky with the seats there, a couple of coolers of beers and just drove down to Chobe National Park with elephants crossing in front of us, giraffes. It was just magical. 
uh, the whole way down to close to the Namibian border and then back into Zimbabwe. It was uh, amazing. The amount of wildlife we saw that day was unbelievable, yeah. Next up, we have Phil Martin, CEO of Blanco Nino, the Mexican tortillo manufacturer. Allow yourself to think of your happy place from your travels. Where would that be and why? Do you know what? If, it, if I, the gas thing is actually probably, it's probably not Mexico. <laughs> it's probably not Mexico. Uh, I did the, the, the Camino um, Santiago there uh, for the first time, uh, not last year, the year before, the year before that. Um, so what's that? That is, it's in 17. And um, I did it with a really good friend of mine from uh, from school. I was planning on doing it by myself and then he, he wanted to come along as well. So I was like, let's go. And we, anyway, we, we did it. And, um, I got every single day, you know, was a story I could, to, could tell you. Um, but we got into a particular town and it's the town after Rosavias on the Camino. Um, I can't remember the exact name, but anyway, we, we had a, we had a few drinks as you do, um, uh, following the, following the, the walk of the day and at dinner. And, um, when we arrived into town, there was some kind of festival going on, and um, uh, the, the, everything set up. And there was this kind of uh, kind of hand, individual hand clapping in the air type thing. It's hard to describe, but it was anyway. It was, it was a great bloody laugh. Um, but I, re- I remember kind of taking a few minutes and walking up to the, the bridge as you come into town. And it's a tiny little town, and the bridge is this really beautiful arch bridge that could probably only maybe fit two people um side by side as you walk over the bridge and the waters you know was rushing underneath and kind of you know if you're back or your face to the town and you're back to the forest and you know you have looking in the middle of the night you know you've the silence of the forest behind you which we walked through that day and then you're looking into the town and you've all the various goings on and activity and there was there was this kind of firework bull, um, which probably similarly wouldn't be allowed under any health and safety rules in Ireland, whereby they just strapped fireworks to a bull, um, a mechanical bull, and then that someone that someone held, and then they ran around the place firing fireworks at everyone. And uh, so just absolute bedlam and uh, madness, but the very best of it. And uh, so I remember just sitting. Um, I remember just sitting on the uh, the bridge. I, I had a, a beer in my hands and back to the forest, face of the town, and just been thinking it was absolutely bliss and just completely calm and chilled out. Um, so, and especially when, when I when I spend kind of you know all day every day like running a million miles an hour with the uh, the business, kind of little moments of absolute. Cam are, are really, really, really nice. So that's what I think of. Yeah, I think there's something particularly about walking, you know, when you go into that zone, it, it, you know, there's nothing like it, isn't there, for clearing the head? No, there's not. And, and especially, you know, on, on that particular journey, um, that trip, I turned off my phone um, for effectively, I think it was like a week, um, week on, a week off. Or say a week on, and then I'd turn, uh, turn it on for a day and catch up with all this stuff, and then I'd turn it off again. So this the, that's the most I could 
I could um, achieve in terms of time uh, time away from the business. But um, I think we're all so switched on, always on at the moment that it's um, you kind of forget, you know, what it's like when you, you have a bit of time without the, the phone on constantly. So, um, but yeah, you know, kind of that that regiment of uh, of especially with the Camino, whereby you get up when it's you know still dark and you're you're walking through the forest, the sun rises, you know you're eating um, on the on a trail, and then you're you know you're arriving into a new town each day. You you see everything for the first time, and you go to bed in that town, and you get up the next day and go somewhere else. I think it's very it's very very um, it's really lovely, really great way of kind of resetting and uh, resetting the clock of sorts. Now we have international hotelier, Brendan Dwyer. Uh, happy place for me. I've had a lot. Uh, probably is the one that, I, again, I mentioned again, is the biggest impact to me is the Maldives. Um, closing my eyes, probably lying out on a late afternoon on a sun deck on relatively private beach looking out onto the onto the water, uh, hearing the, the the palm trees rustle behind you. Absolute quietness. You're at peace of mind. You're at peace with yourself. You're at, you know, you're enjoying one of the most natural wonders of the world. Uh, and, you know, 10 steps away, you're, you're, you're in the Atlantis of your imagination of, you know, of, of tropical fish and, you know, manta rays and, bloody sharks which scared the hell out of me but but you know uh, that's the place where when i get stressed out or if i want to imagine a place and here's here's just a little bit of an insight into my imagination when i like somewhere i i get scared if i feel i can never visit or experience that place again so i i never take i always say to my wife maria we're not taking maldives off she said let's go somewhere different i said right we're not taking it off the off the table it's somewhere we will go back to, but maybe not in the next few years because we've done it twice over the last three. But but there's more places to, to visit. But I always get scared if I can feel that I you're sitting on the lakes of Killarney, um, you know, um, in the Castle Hotel. Um, so so you know that you feel that you can never go back to. That's the scary thing about tra- travel because you close your eyes, and you think I'm never going to see this place again. You know. I don't know why I'm saying this because I've only been two or three times. Maybe the Maldives, but I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm in I'm in Wales at the moment. It's fucking great. So God knows, you know, and, I, and Wales is very nice for me. Um, you know, London maybe. I don't know. I I I uh, I love London. I walk up and down the river. Lockdown's been good to me, Fergus. I, I mean, I've lost thirty eight pounds. I've went from being a fat bastard to like a kind of virgin on being a skinny bastard. Do you know what I mean? You know. The last guest that I'm going to share with you now is Sean Villanova Driscoll, who is the world-renowned climber who did the Fitzroy Massif in Patagonia. He climbed it solo in February this year, one of the great climbs, they say, ever in Patagonia. So if you haven't actually listened to that episode, I'd really recommend you to listen to it. And I now have a full season of one season one, I have a full season two. So I would recommend on all podcasting platforms Give them a listen if you haven't listened to all of them, or else you can get articles, etc., on traveltaleswithfurdale.ie. I look forward to sharing season three with you. I've got some great interviews already lined up, and I'll be sharing with you in the future all those episodes. Until then, safe travels. Some singing or whatever. Yeah. 
So my, my last question that I ask everybody is, so it's essentially, if you take four deep breaths and you think of your happy place from your travels, where would that be and why? Oof. Um, yeah, it's, I suppose it, it would have to be where I am now, you know, Patagonia, because... Um, it's such it's just such a powerful place you know it's such so much it feels very wild and i think just the 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 the, the, the like the ferocious weather and everything just adds to that you know and it's um there's just feels so wild and so wilderness so 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 much wilderness and so pristine and and um yeah, it's just an incredible place. The views, the light, the light, you know, the, the way the, the, the shape of the clouds and the way the sun and the light comes through the clouds and things like that. It's just a, a magical place. Yeah, it's funny. We, you know, I ask people about recommending somewhere and, you know, I kind of, it's a tricky one, you know, like, because it's so far away and hard work to get there to, you know, say mm-hmm. tour Silpania. But I always say, if you could, that's where I'd recommend because, you really feel like you're at the end of the world, don't you? You know, exactly. and the weather, yeah. as you say, the weather is part of it because it's literally each yeah. day. I'm just walking, but each day is like, will we be able to get to the next place or not? Or will we have to go back? And it's part exactly. You know, it's- yeah. yeah. I mean, the the wind here is just incredible. It's just how powerful it is. Like there's days you you can't walk, you can't stand up, you know, you're on, you're on all fours, like crawling just to, and, we've we've had approaches where we're just like it feels like a a war zone you know we're just running from one boulder to the next trying to protect ourselves from the the wind because it's so it's incredibly powerful incredibly powerful it's just incredible no hopefully i get to see you sometime maybe when you're in ireland i'm in clamel clamel so anytime you're around this actually the cumras i don't know if there's much climbing but there's loads of mountains the galtes the cumras knock me down there is climbing. yeah there's some amazing yeah. there yeah there's some very very good climbing in the cumras i love that place yeah is it's there? very um adventurous climbing very yeah. adventurous climb yeah yeah no i love it i love it here i've i've been learning the island pipes for for, th- for three years now and uh so but i spent a lot of time here uh, in Patagonia, I was very, I was very happy that I brought them along with me to Patagonia because obviously during the lockdown and everything, I spent a lot of time in them, and uh, I'm enjoying them an awful lot. They're they're a very difficult instrument. I just have a practice set, but uh, it's uh, I, I've been enjoying it a lot, and yeah, it's 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 brought me a lot of uh, good moments and joy, and I like I like walking off. Uh, you know, uh, into into nature and playing some tunes out there somewhere on my own. So I'll, I'll play a little tune for you. This one's Ooh. called um, the, the Blarney Pilgrim. And congratulations again. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. 
Beautiful. Excellent. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.